0: I kind of like the high-five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At ChumbaCasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino-style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses, so don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VGW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions.
1: 18 plus. Do you solemnly swear that you will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic? that you will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that you would take this obligation freely, without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion, and that you will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which you are about to enter, so help you God. Congratulations, you're now members of the 114th card.
2: We preserve main mandatory minimum, but we lower some and expand some of the enhanced minimums to make sure that violent and repeat drug offenders stay in prison and out of our community. That will be a big help in cities across the country who face rising homicide rates from different offenders who have been released from prison. But for the first time, we're cutting back many of the most severe mandatory minimums so that they apply more fairly. We're also expanding the current safety valve and even creating a second safety valve so that offenders who have minor criminal histories and play minor roles in drug organizations are not swept up. And we're bringing real reform to our prisons that give low-risk inmates a chance to return to society earlier with better prospects and most of all this is a bill that we can be proud of. We believe that there are people who are incarcerated today for lengthy sentences at great expense, and frankly should not be in those prisons. We think resources spent on those incarcerations
1: are better spent in good law enforcement in our communities, in
2: good work by prosecutors, and good work in our criminal justice system to avoid the incident's of crime. That's what this is all about.
3: Nonviolent drug offenders I'm going to stay in jail forever. And everyone in prison is going to be given the kind of tools they need to come out and become productive citizens so that we won't waste lives. Those are both so important. And if this legislation becomes law, which we hope it will, it will make a huge difference in the lives of those who are imprisoned, in the lives of those who are convicted lives of those who might have been victims of crime and in the lives of all Americans.
4: And welcome in, ladies and gentlemen. Um, I am Lamont Banks with AJC Radio, along with Jeanette Williams, Cliff Stewart, and William Williams, and Lisa is off tonight. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight, this is Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday, and I'll tell you right now, folks. It's getting ready to get really serious up in here at AJC Radio. And uh, what's a couple of things that are going on. Tonight we take a moment. I don't know what, Cliff, uh, William, Jeanette, what terminology do you have for a man of this stature? What do you have and what do you say about a man that is not only making steps on our nation's capital but leaving an imprint of Things that are changing on Capitol Hill in such a huge way, and in every facet of the democratic process, if you will. Senator Charles Grassley is the highlight of tonight's show, where we will dig and inform the American people tonight of a man that has been in Congress a very long time, and he just is getting started. This is Agency Radio Spotlight on Capitol Hill. Folks, buckle up. It's time for takeoff here on AJC Radio. There you have it, folks. Welcome in tonight. uh, The ladies and gentlemen of America, we thank you for joining us and spending some time with us this evening as we highlight another legend. You know, uh, William, when you talk about legends, they usually come one. They don't come one after the other. But folks, here tonight on AJC Radio, we find ourselves in a very unfamiliar place as we are in a, what do you call we're on a streak, if you will, uh, presenting legends that are occupying our nation's capital, and Con- Senator Chuck Grassley is no exception to that. William, your thoughts on the Senator?
5: I think he is um, an amazing fellow. I one of the facts, I mean, just bringing you through this, it's a laundry event big step made by a big man uh, on behalf of his people. You know, he's really, really uh,
4: fighting for the little man. No, no, without question. And, uh, you know, he I heard him say on an interview that he comes from the uh, uh, lowly town of Iowa, not geographically large, if you will, but I'll tell you what, uh, he's making some big steps, not only in Iowa. But across this nation, Jeanette, if we've you, had an opportunity to look a little bit at, at Senator uh, Grassley, your
6: thoughts on the man? I like that he earned a reputation in Iowa for keeping in touch with the people he represents, and in Washington for standing up for common sense and holding government accountable. I love that.
4: Well, there you go, Cliff. Your thoughts on uh, Senator Grassley uh, and what he is doing in our nation's capital?
7: I think the thing that stands out to me the most is that Senator Grassley holds the record for the longest record of not missing a vote of any senator in office. Now, that may seem like uh, just, you know, like, well, he voted. When, if you realize how many times senators hide behind the nun vote, congressmen hide behind, I want to get uh, voted again. I mean, this man, 12,000 times. Has voted. Wow, never missing a vote. Which says I am willing to put my position on the table, no matter if it costs me an election, no matter if it costs me some type of uh, you know popularity contest. This is the type of person we needed in Senate, especially the chairman of the judiciary, to say this is what I stand for. Take it or leave it, like it or not. This is who I am. That is Senator Chuck.
4: Oh, without question, Cliff, couldn't be said any better. And I'll
7: tell you right now, ladies and
4: gentlemen, uh, we had the opportunity to interview Senator Grassley live from our nation's capital. And uh, I'll tell you what, one of the nicest and, and gentlest man men you'll meet. Uh, very good demeanor, just nice, very welcoming, if you will. Treated us so very well, him and his staff uh, up there in Washington. Just, uh, we, we're very much pleased with with that how that went, and and. I mean, what else do you say? We're going to dig into all of that uh, as we get ready to highlight and spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday with, with Senator Chuck Grassley. And he, as Cliff alluded to, <clears throat> excuse me, uh, serves as chairman of the Senate Committee on the Judiciary. And we talk a lot about the power of the judiciary in Congress. Make no mistake about it. Uh, they oversee the courts, They oversee process. They oversee administration. They are the people that can make a difference. Uh, and you'll find you'll see many times where hearings are being called in regards to the to, to tough questions, rather, needing to be answered. Uh, and I'll tell you what, you couldn't have a better man in position on the Senate committee on the judiciary other than uh, Senator Chuck Grassley. And we're going to dig into his his legacy, what he is doing up there still. And uh, as I said, I said it once and I'll say it again, uh, hasn't got charged yet That continues to do the right things that he was elected uh, to office to do. So, folks, hanging there with us tonight. is going to be a humdinger as we get ready to shine the light, as usual, with Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday. So hang with us on that. And I'll tell you right now, folks, as we get into a couple of things, William, we talked earlier um, in regards to the political uh, platform, if you will, in this country right now as we are in an election year. And I got a couple of things I'm just gonna say. AJC Radio holds nothing back uh in regards to uh things that need to be said. We we, start, we learned yesterday that uh, uh Sarah Palin uh came out endorsing uh uh Republican uh, uh presidential candidate Donald Trump. Uh I'll tell you right now, folks, and this is just what I believe, uh I have followed uh, uh Miss Palin from the time that she was the running mate with uh, Senator uh, McCain. John McCain. Uh, this is one question I have. It's up blowing up. I'm watching it all over the news. People are talking. Oh, good. Are people, celebrity powerhouses is what they called it this morning on the news. Well, folks, it take, you can't be, it's going to take a little more than celebrity to run this nation. It's going to take a little more than celebrity. And the lady from Alaska, reality shows and all that good stuff, that doesn't get the job done at the Oval Office on of Pennsylvania Avenue, William. Your thoughts on that?
5: Well, I think it didn't work for John McCain. It's not going to work for Donald Trump. I, I mean, I agree with you. You know, there's there's only so much you know uh, of Hollywood, of Hollywood, of the glitz and glam. Sure. That you know, so if that's what you want, if you want a show, okay. Well, that's your reality show. You know, the the Sarah and Donald show. And uh, but the reality is, you know, I, I me personally, I wouldn't want her endorsement. I mean, because it's not sure. going to, it's not going to benefit you in any way. Well, here's
4: here's here's some thoughts on uh, on ex uh, Governor Palin. She left office. She left office prior to the end of her term as governor of Alaska. Uh, now, my understanding was there was some uh, offer on the table for a reality show, which I on on I believe was TLC, uh, the outdoors, living it with the Palins, and all the good stuff. What about the oath you took to stay oh, wow. in office,
7: to serve the people of Alaska, Cliff? I mean, well, what is that? When you, you got to look at—I mean, she had—you <laughs> have to look at what she was sure. I mean, she, oh. the the statements she was making. I mean, she knew that she was washed up, but still, she should have—she should have finished her term. But this is a woman who said, "I can see Russia out of my window from Alaska." From Alaska. And it's also the woman who on her watch as governor, when they showed the bridges to nowhere in Alaska, to get an endorsement by Sarah Palin, when you show a bridge that goes up and back down to the same ground, no road, just a bridge, what what can her endorsement do for you except say that you are cut from the same piece of foolishness that (laughs) she is? Well, I'll tell
4: you what, what what concerned me more than anything, and I'm going to say, again, this is uh free speech in America and we have a right uh to an opinion. Uh Sarah Palin gets on the stage yesterday, her son was involved in a domestic violence issue at her house. She blamed the President of the United States for that action. Wow. I'll tell you right now, folks, there comes a point when politics becomes right down nonsense. Can someone tell me at how President Obama at Pennsylvania Avenue in, in Washington Have anything to do with what happened at your front door? And the gentleman, the contributor this morning, made the statement. He said the big question here is this happened at at, at Sarah Palin's home. While she's talking about the White House, what's going on at your house? And this domestic violence issue took place at your house. America should be
8: outraged
4: because, guess what? If you're involved with domestic violence, you're responsible for what you did. And as you know, William, in this country, domestic violence. Over the last year, we did a show on this program regarding domestic violence and a domestic violence awareness and the cost of that and all that's involved with that. And I don't, I don't think you don't play politics. No, you don't. With, with domestic violence, my understanding was from the from the contributor this morning, the young lady was under the bed, terrified, and for you to spring up an issue of post uh, uh, traumatic, traumatic stress, stress syndrome disorder. or disorder and say the president's not doing enough,
5: that's utterly ridiculous. But you can't pass the buck like you that. Can't you pass can't pass it. You can't take an opportunity, I guess, to seek some kind of political gain or gain some spotlight off of such a tragic situation. And Whoa. that and that shows you the character of her.
4: Well, the folks said this morning, and even the news anchors uh, that I watched this morning on CNN, where no one gave an, a flying endorsement uh, of of that statement. People were like wait a minute, you know, are you serious right now? Folks, ladies and gentlemen, you better get out to vote, and you better vote for the right candidate, because America needs not celebrity nonsense. We need, and don't get me wrong, to our celebrities that are doing things and and all that good stuff, that's no uh, hit on you. But we're talking about the commander-in-chief of the United States of America that holds the most powerful seat in in the world. And uh, it's time that we we elect a commander-in-chief. We have to. Because the term is up on Barack Obama, which I believe did a good job. Uh, And uh, we're not going to shy away from the controversy of the issues. If politicians can get out here and bring the controversy, you better expect the
5: kickback from that. But the thing is, Mont, this is a a serious time. That's why people need to get up. This is a serious time in our lives. And the bottom line is that's a serious position. Whoever is getting ready to pick up those reins has to be aware and has to be confident enough to, to actually hold that off and hold that position. You can't you're have right. you can't have Donald Trump foolishness and zero foolishness going on. I mean, that's my opinion, and you're entitled I, to that. that. But you can't you can't do that. No, no, absolutely. And so so uh
4: that was current news blowing up the TV waves, uh, airwaves this morning, uh and I thought, well, we're going to address it here on AJC radio because that's what we do. Uh moving on, you can go to CNN.com, cbs.com, every network covering the uh Trump Palin escapade, if you will, uh, and read more about that situation. Uh, But, yeah, it's time that America gets serious about what lies ahead for this nation as ISIS threatens and approaches the homeland. Uh, It's not time for jokes. It's not time for – it is time for serious business uh, in this country. And uh, I'm going to tell you, once February gets here and leaves, the year takes off with flying wings. So, uh, folks, you're going to be walking to the polls sooner than you think. We need to be prepared for the next commander-in-chief that we, that we put in the office. So some thoughts on that, something to turn over in your mind as you sit down tonight uh, and, and have a relaxing evening with the family. These are things and issues that are important that we need to pay attention to, and it's very, very important that we pay attention to that. Uh, going into the next topic, uh, we were, there is a petition tonight uh, for the IRP-6. If you go to change.org and type in IRP-6 for search. There's a new petition, ladies and gentlemen. We ask that you sign that petition. We are asking that the President of the United States grant clemency to the IRP 6. These men were wrongfully convicted. They were put in prison without cause. They were torn from their families, left crying children, weeping in grief and pain as a result of one thing, injustice. That's the bottom line. We need you to go out and sign that petition. We're asking the president to grant clemency uh, to the IRP 6. We're going to dig into that a little further. Uh, so please, folks, go there and sign it. These men were railroaded. They were, they were denied due process, constitutional violations, and that trial should be on a record-breaking pace for the things that happened in that case uh, with these six men. And how do you rip a father from a child without cause? We would call that in another country, what a monster he is. How could they do that to this family? But we sit back and we allow it in this country. Something has
7: to be done with you know one of the things with this uh with this case with uh Aaron, that you know they 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 come back and they get him after he's finished 10 years, they say, okay, you served your time, you did your parole, and been out six years, everything's great now, but now you're going back to prison. How is that not considered double Well, here's what you got, and that the two cases relate. You got uh, Rene Lima-Marin,
4: who goes back to prison uh, after doing his time. Then you have the IRP-6, who are locked up, and they're refusing to let out at this point. They should have never went to prison two Stories of injustice here. Right. Both petitions, ladies and gentlemen, out there at AJCRadio.com, at Change.org. You can go out there. You can go to AJC radio. Click on the link. That's there. We are fighting for justice, not only for the IRP6, but for also Renee Lima-Marin. His wife was on this program some weeks ago. Uh, heartbroken as a result of what's happened. Two petitions, two separate issues, but one fact. Injustice reigns. And that's what we need you folks to go out there and do. So please go to change.org, and you can also, again, go to agencyradio.com, click on the link. We need your signature. We need your comment. Speak out against this type of injustice in this country, because until we do, and we continue to say this, William, when are we going to say it is enough? When, right. when do you look at a child? How many tears must fall from a child's face as they miss their father? We complain all the time, where are the fathers in America? Well, the justice system is locking them up and throwing away the key. That's, that's right. right. That's so right. you want you want kids to come up in a good environment. You don't mess with family. You want kids to come up
5: with some some decency. Quit removing these fathers from the home. And, and that's it. I mean, that that's the major thing. I, I'm sitting here. They have the the injustice system has broken up. It creates this. I mean, just. Years, I would almost say decades of just instability in home, where there's no fathers there. They're not giving anybody a chance to come out and be a father. There is no concept of rehabilitation. There is no concept of family. When you go in and you break it up, you don't care about the mother, the father. You, I mean, the the children. You don't care that the provider is gone. No. To ju- I mean, he's gone, and they don't. They don't care if how now this mother now it has to be mother and father. How, how she is now going to have to make a living, and the well. loved one sitting in prison. The mm-hmm. loved one sitting in prison, not, not well, come.
4: Well, make no mistake about it. Two cases, two acts of injustice. Brene Lima Mamarin, locked up. Go to change.org, sign the petition. She's close to 300,000 signatures already in that case, and the IRP6. Six. six men. Who are they? David Banks, Gary Walker, Dave Zappolo. Kendrick Barnes, Demetrius Harper, and Clinton Stewart. Folks, it is high time in America that we stop the nonsense and take a stand. It could be you. It could be your mother. It could be your brother, your sister, your father. We don't know. But if we don't do something, we're going to have chaos and mayhem in the United States of America at a far greater level than what it is right now. Folks, on the other side of the break, we're coming back uh, with the interview with Congressman, excuse me, Senator Chuck Bradley, uh the Senate Committee, he is the chairman, excuse me, of the Senate Committee on the Judiciary, a legend in Washington. We, we keep getting these legends, but we're going to keep shining the light and letting you know what is the purpose of Spotlight on Capitol Hill. One objective and one goal, to shine the light in a positive way, in a good way to say
5: this is what
4: our elected f- officials are doing. This is not what's perceived. This is not what the gossip is. These people, women. Men and women alike are making a difference. Your vote made a difference in Iowa. And with the other people, William, that we have talked to on this program, folks, this is why it is so very, very important that we vote. On the other side of the break, we're coming back with that interview as we can get ready for the humdinger of a show, Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday. Folks, hang on to your seat. We're getting ready to take off again. Spotlight on Capitol Hill Thursday. Stay with us. Ladies and gentlemen of Southern Colorado, did you know that PBR, Professional Bull Riders, is headquartered right here in Colorado? PBR is an international professional bull riding organization based in Pueblo, Colorado. In 1992, when 20 bull riders from the rodeo circuit came together to give life to a dream that they all shared, they never imagined it would be so quickly developed into what has officially been declared the fastest growing sport In America, the PBR, the riders pulled their resources, $1,000 a piece, and broke away from the confines of the rodeo format to make bull riding the most popular of the seven events in traditional rodeo, a standalone sport, and take it to major markets across the United States. Today, the visionary founders are riding a wave of popularity as the PBR continues its charge as one of the fastest growing properties in the history of sports. The concept is simple, match the world's best bull riding athletes against the toughest animal athletes on the planet in an eight second man versus beast duel. More than 1,200 cowboys from the US, Canada, Mexico, Brazil, Australia, and New Zealand hold PBR memberships. How would you like to work for this great company? We are hiring right now. We are currently looking for an associate attorney public relations manager, social media manager, and digital project manager, to name just a few. Folks, check out our website to view more of our open positions at www.pbr.com. And you can also send an email to recruiting at or make a phone call, if that's better, at 719-242-2800. Folks, bull riding is taking off, and it all starts with PBR.
9: Our children
10: are literally eating themselves to death. Many experts predict that this may be the first generation of children that doesn't live as long as their parents because of the problem
6: of obesity.
10: A quarter of American children don't exercise regularly. The average school aged child watches four to six hours of TV every day, bombarded by commercials for fast food and junk. How you make these kinds of
9: lifestyle changes in your kids is to make them yourself.
6: Make the effort. Fight childhood obesity. A message from the Government of Canada.
9: Did you know
10: that over 1.5 million children in America have parents who are incarcerated?
5: These children cope with the pain through drugs, alcohol, anger, and violence. It is so important. It is so important for communities to provide preventative and intervention services.
10: Don't make them do it alone. Become a part of the community. Community. Community.
9: community. Become a part of the community for help.
4: Ladies and gentlemen, the, um, that makes you feel a little American. We say that every week on this program. But ladies and gentlemen, we are patriotic here at AJC Radio. We believe in the democracy that runs America. The key is, is that we're trying to find folks that believe in that democracy. And tonight, I asked the folks, do we have a flag in the building? Uh, as we get ready for a patriotic moment here in the United States, got a dealing flag. with, we got a flag, wave it back there, folks. <laughs> Ladies and gentlemen, this, this is the highlight of the evening as we begin to talk about our elected officials. And before we go any further, uh, Jeanette, the disclaimer to the, to the, for the folks, excuse me.
6: Uh, yes, we just want to let our listeners know that we are not attorneys, and a just cause does not provide legal advice. Please contact your personal legal advisor for your legal needs. Also, the opinions expressed by callers and guests do not necessarily reflect that of a just cause or AJC radio. As always, thank you for tuning in and choosing to spend time with us this evening.
4: All right. Thank you, Jeanette, for that. And, uh, folks, you know, you know, as an election year approaches, it is very important – as we talked the other night on this program the importance of the vote the importance of getting out the importance excuse me of getting out the vote doing what we need to do to ensure our elected officials are going to do what we believe because if I 'm not mistaken William elected officials speak for the people no, uh, correct. when you go vote they are your voice that's the importance of putting someone in office that you said I believe in this congressman or this senator uh, and this is the the, the, the whole definition of democracy, and this is what we try to find in other countries to bring people together, it's worked here in America for a long, long time. Yes, it has. Yes, and it has. Uh, we, we're going to you know, get into that tonight as we get ready uh, to talk about, again, the legend, uh, Senator Chuck Grassley making a huge difference in Washington, D.C. Uh, again, uh, me and Lisa had an opportunity to sit down with him uh, in his office in Washington, and I'll tell you, man believes in what he believes and he intends to do and follow his conviction that's what i got from the man uh in the interview he believes in the conviction and the importance of doing something in washington not simply going through the motions and and this and that and we have found that with several members of congress tonight we happen to shine the light on on senator grassley uh goes further uh the senator grassley has earned a reputation in iowa keeping in touch with the people He represents in Washington for standing up for common sense. And this is the key we talk about all the time on this program, holding government accountable. And that is critical. Uh, uh, Senator Grassley does his job with a work ethic that can be traced to the Butler County Farm, where he grew up and still lives today, and to his days as a young father of five who worked three jobs. Knows a little bit about work. Uh, Today, Senator Grassley holds the record for the longest record Uh, And this was alluding, Cliff, to your point earlier, the longest record of not missing a vote of any senator in office. Showing respect for the public trust he holds, Senator Grassley holds also also has conducted at least one meeting in each of Iowa's 99 counties every year that he served in the United States Senate. To encourage participation in the process of representation of government, Senator Grassley stays connected by responding to every phone call letter and email from Iowans. And by communicating with the Iowans extensively online via Facebook, Twitter, and his own website as well. Wow. William, your thoughts on
5: that? That speaks volumes. That's it, it does. I mean it it really does. I I I mean this point here that he conducts at least one meeting in each of Iowa's ninety nine counties every year. I mean that's that's amazing. He's sitting here saying I am here. I am your mouthpiece. I am your champion. I'm in Washington fighting for you, fighting for what you believe in, fighting for your interests, your cares and concerns. And I, I mean, that's that's just really amazing to me. I mean, it's really amazing to me that he takes that much interest and has basically put himself out there. He says, I will, will respond via social media. I have my own website. You're going to see me in action. You're going to see me in meetings. And you can come and, and confront me and talk to me at these town hall-type meetings, and I'm listening to you. That way he can go to, to Washington and actually do the job that he was called to do. And so I really look at it as, as somebody who really embraces what public service is about and being a public servant and saying, here, I have the greater good that is that is at my interest i i have to consider the greater good i have to consider those that are out there that they're looking for me and they're looking to me and my platform to be their their actual mouthpiece and so yeah. i i really i mean hats off to this guy really really
4: that's awesome william you know what here's the thing that gets me now a lot of folks that come from the old school we call it uh not all up on the social media thing uh uh, Senator Grassley is 83 years of age. 83. So I'm telling you, he was around before any computers, iPads, iPods, all that, and he is engaged on Facebook. He's engaged on social media. Well, I'll tell you what, uh, we have the utmost respect for Senator Grassley, and uh, I'll tell you what, Cliff, when you talk about a gentleman, again, he didn't go get him a big mansion, a big house. He said, "I'm gonna live in the, on, a, on a farm in Iowa, you know, meager means or whatever
6: you want to call. It. He's just a good old country boy, and worked three jobs to support his kids and his family.
4: That, that's that's awesome. When you think about a, a senator or a congressman that is doing something like that, that's pretty that's pretty
7: awesome. Oh yeah, when you look at the fact that okay, he came from meager means, he he stays close to those meager means, he fights for." For uh, not only the people of Iowa, but he fights for every American. I mean, you're looking at a senator as the, uh, you know, the the chairman over the, ju- over the uh, committee, over the judiciary. Yes. He has led a campaign to open up federal judiciary by allowing cameras in courtrooms. Do you know the impact that that would have on federal criminal cases to say there is a camera in every courtroom so that now... The people, the public, can see exactly what these federal judges do. That every time there there's a court proceeding going on, we say get the, the video, and we can see what someone like Judge Arguello said to uh, to the defendant. We can see when a judge is uh, is clearly breaking the law, law, breaking the law on the side of a prosecutor. You know, like we've uh, been on here before, when a, a judge is texting the prosecutor, telling them how to try the case, how to win the case. Those are the type of things. That is the type of sure. uh, of you know transparency that needs to happen, even on the federal level. Well,
4: that's what he's known for exactly. is demanding transparency. Uh, transparency, excuse me, in the
7: in our in our system,
4: in our country, yeah. congressmen, senators, uh, staff, administrations, Department of Justice, uh, the Bureau of everything that is needs to be held to a accountability is is what is the mo, if you will. For Senator Grassley It's about holding government Accountable That's every facet of government And those further here uh, uh, Further than in Washington Senator Grassley has been a leader in shaping legislation To improve the quality of life For Americans And to expand the economic opportunities For individuals, families And communities These are things that we face in this country right now That are up in the air That are in jeopardy And these are the things that he has put put his hat on uh, to support. Uh, Senator Grassley serves as chairman, as we said, of the Senate Committee on the Judiciary, where he works for a competitive marketplace with antitrust enforcement and tort reform to reward innovation and invention with an updated patent system and for legal immigration that will help America's economy grow. Senator Grassley has led a campaign to open up the federal judiciary by allowing cameras, as, as, as Cliff alluded to, in the courtroom. That's unmatched in legislation, in legislative uh, pushing, if you will. That's not something that's popular. That's not something that people want to do. But guess what? He is saying you have to be held accountable. That's right. And what what, what an honor, Cliff, to, to, to the senator for taking on tough challenges, tough decisions that have to be made, especially given the judicial system being completely in disarray right now.
7: But when you look at it, I mean, that's what it takes to really be a champion of justice, that it takes to really be a congressman or senator, a legislator of the people, is that you have to take those type of stands to show the American people that, hey, I am not just about being reelected. I'm not just about my constituents, but I'm about, uh, you know, equal rights. According to the law for everybody, and in this situation, you're talking about him looking to ensure that justice is brought right. for, for every American. That move right there is enough to say, okay, all the way from the street with body cameras from cops to the courtroom, to the courtroom. we have video footage. Not just, okay, he said, she said, the law... Uh, this is the way the law was played out. This is what they claim happened in the courtroom, but you're talking about video footage to be able to see exactly what happened. Imagine all the things that law enforcement has been caught with because we have video footage when you have some officer that is lied and said that didn't it didn't happen this way, it didn't happen that way. But then when you see the video you'd be like, You shot that man in cold blood. The same thing would apply to judges when they Absolutely. say I did this in my court or I didn't do that. We have you We have it put in an innocent person in prison knowingly now guess what with this footage we're going to uh, we're going to submit That's right. you. I mean that, that 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 speaks volumes goes further uh, Senator Grassley is unmatched
4: in his legislative and oversight work to protect whistleblowers both in and out of government who speak up about wrongdoing for the public good Senator Grassley is an advocate for victims of crime and a leader in the fight to keep illegal drugs out of the hands of young people he leads efforts to safeguard America's freedom with effective anti-terrorism and domestic security policies. Previously, previously, Senator Grassley was chairman of the Committee on Finance. He led through Congress two trillion in tax cuts—two trillion dollars in tax cuts. He led that initiative. That's right. That's not that's, 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 that's not five bucks that you're going to take to McDonald's or Wendy's, folks. Two trillion dollars. That that is something to be. You know
5: what I'm saying? That's, that's huge. I mean that is huge. And when it, when you go on, and you read this, and it says here, leaving more money in workers' pockets. You know, I, I mean, making you know that's the thing when you when you look at this, this man right here has not lost sight of where he came from. He understands the fact that you know what it's going to be the little man. It's going to be those that are struggling to get by that are going to reap the brunt if Congress don't you know if he doesn't do his job. You know, if he doesn't help uh, with legislation, with tax cuts, with, with you know, it, Medicare, anything, anything in here, all this stuff ends up rolling down to the little man. And that's what you got to love about it. Well, he goes
4: further here. We talked about Congressman Tom Marino and his uh, youth initiative, what he's doing now, down there with uh, Congressman Karen Bass uh, as far as foster care. Uh, says here, uh, Senator Grassley is a leading advocate to improve the foster care system. And help more kids find permanent loving homes through adoption. Taking that step to place kids, because guess what? You know, if kids are placed right, guess what? Our school to prison pipeline is over. That's right. Our school to prison pipeline comes to an end when you have Senator Grassley taking these initiatives, doing what he's doing. This is what makes a difference in America. Folks, you know, I'm just going to stop. We're going to get dessert on the table now. As we get into the interview, Senator Chuck Grassley. So, ladies and gentlemen of America, coming to you live from Washington, D.C., we have the honor of having uh, uh, Senator uh, Grassley. Uh, in our in our presence, who's allowed us to come in and and speak to him, and Senator, we thank you so much for taking a few minutes today. As to this particular episode, we spotlight you, which is our new segment called Spotlight on Capitol Hill, uh, an opportunity to shine a very positive light. Uh, as we were saying earlier, people, a lot of people not doing that these days. We believe in our elected officials. We believe they are doing things that are effective and to make a difference. And your career speaks. For itself and your position on so many different things that affect us and we'll just ask you a couple of
2: questions and we'll get your thoughts on. Before you ask me those sure. couple of questions you thank me I always try to thank media and you fall in the category of media yes. because you help us to communicate with our constituents because representative government's a two-way street. Sure. You know I have a responsibility to come to my constituents. I'm doing that through your media, yes. but uh, also I always tell people that you're one half the process of representing the government. You have a responsibility to communicate with me. Sure, absolutely. And we, we gladly accept that responsibility. And
4: this is what I tell times, uh, Senator, is that, you know, we're not from uh, the state in which you represent, but I feel like the America is, is all family. And ultimately, the things that you do uh, in your job every day not only affects your direct constituents, but your indirect constituents. We believe us, we are, and other people in America, these decisions that are being made, whether uh, your position as chair of the judiciary, there are decisions being made that, that, that affect us, the United States as a whole. And we thank you for your service to the country. We appreciate that. Um, Senator, there's a lot of things that's being talked about right now as far as criminal justice reform. Uh, We have the the issues with police and community, the breakdown of that over the last year, uh, given Eric Gardner, Michael Brown, all the things that have happened in our country that have somewhat called a divide, if you will, uh, in the relationship with police and community. Uh, How important is it that, at least now, as far as members of Congress coming together to bring uh, a healing to that situation in our country right now through whatever legislation, criminal justice reform, sentencing reform, all these things. What do you think other the focal points
2: we must focus to make that happen? Well, right now I'm focusing on two of the four or five you mentioned: sentencing reform and and uh, reform of uh, prison reform. Sure. I guess is the way to call it. They're two, they're put together in two bills, and basically it's very much. Uh, Bipartisan, as well as a, uh, a compromise that's outside of politics between various interests that uh, aren't necessary. For instance, uh, there's uh, there's a movement among conservative Republicans, very liberal Democrats, to maybe just eliminate mandatory minimums, or uh, or at, at least cut them in half. Uh, there's some people that think that's bad for law enforcement. So I've been able to find a common ground between uh, not cutting back on mandatory minimums, but giving more judges discretion. And then within prison reform, uh, to give people incentives uh, to uh, be released early uh, based upon the proposition if they prepare themselves so we don't have a a high rate of recidivism. Sure. And and, and I think, you know,
4: our talking to other lawmakers as well, uh, Senator, We've run into issues where, yeah, and I know the president has stepped out in, in regards to the clemency issues that are going on. Uh, I believe they stated there were over 6,000 people being released in the last couple of weeks, in the next few weeks, yeah. from the federal prison system. Uh, astronomically, uh, as far as the cost is concerned, uh, as far as in housing inmates, yeah. uh, and I know they focus on one point, I want to ask your position on this, they focus on one point that uh, drug offenders who have been just sentenced to outrageous sentences has been just over the top um, My thought is and through my research we have found that white-collar crimes uh, Some crimes that have been over criminalized where guys are getting uh, in this particular information. I gave you to review uh, uh, 7 to 11 years never been in trouble with the law Patriots of America questionable whether a crime was ever committed and we don't ask anybody to weigh on that but what do we do to focus on, not only on the drug offenders, but the white collar crimes that perhaps are
2: questionable in that? How do I, we How do, I, we do that? I think it starts with prosecution, you so sure. before you get to the courtroom, uh, because we've we've had uh, people th- that have been soft on uh, s- some of them. Well, it doesn't matter whether you're Republican, Democrat. Sure. you soft on a uh, white collar crime to a greater extent than. The other kind of crime, okay. and I think that uh, you, you've heard the slogan uh, 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 too, too, "too big to fail, too big to jail." Sure, wow. see, sure. And then there's been a reluctance to uh, to actually prosecute white collar crime, uh, in particularly in the banking and financing, wow. go after the corporations sure but then corporations that's just the cost of doing business sure when you put people in jail it sends a stronger signal sure uh, i can't direct you to specific speeches i've given but if you would go through my uh, website you'd probably find some statements that i've made on on those issues and one of the things that has come up just since our bipartisan bill got out of committee on uh, sentencing reform is that people have tried to talk us into including some things with white-collar crime, which, as you've demonstrated by your statistics uh, and years of, of, uh, of uh, being in prison, is a lot less than a lot of drug crimes. So, uh, to, to reduce that and give people opportunities to get out sooner, no, I'm not going to do that. Yeah. Because we, uh, we don't send a strong enough signal on white-collar crime like we do on other crimes. Sure and I, and I agree with that, congressman. i think I think what happens, and
4: I guess you have a catch twenty two here, you have these big corporations that that have done in the billions of dollars of harm and damage to that victims have lost money uh, into investments, whatever you want to call it. But then you have in in my case, what I was referencing was a startup company who not a big not a big dollar. you don't know them on the news for who they are. they're not in the reports. But my thing is this, I think you make one point as far as prosecutions, prosecutors rather, if we can get prosecutors to follow the law and the reasonable points of the law that you have zealous, uh, they call them zealous uh, prosecutors that are not necessarily here for justice, but are here and pushing for conviction at a conviction rate at a certain level. We're gonna get a conviction, we're gonna get a conviction. What happens when prosecutors do that? And then we have people, victims of the system, for not getting due process of the Constitution allows to all American no. So I think that's the area that, that the question I ask. Oh. How do we get overzealous prosecutors to do, and what you're saying is correct. These big businesses, these big corporations who feel like they're untouchable, they need to be held
2: accountable. But yeah. then prosecutors. The people running them need to be held accountable. As, as well. Because yeah. a corporation is a sheet of paper. Yeah. It's, it. its management, its stockholders, and its workers. Sure. And uh, and uh, when you start holding people at the uh, top responsible, and there hasn't been enough of that. Sure. Uh, you would you would send a very strong signal and change behavior very quickly, as opposed to finding a corporation guilty and its costs of doing business. Whether oh, it's got you. whether it's a million dollars, ten million, or a billion dollars. Sure.
10: And the these corporations get off with doing nothing. They yeah. hit off with nothing. Sure. No, I agree right. with that.
4: That's a good point, uh, Senator. Uh, in regards to the uh, relations between community and police and law enforcement, right now, a uh, very sensitive thing. Uh, after the key uh, thing that we've seen on the news with Michael Brown, in regard to these things, yeah. we still see a trend of police brutality, even with body cameras. Is my thought is this: is that the, I think we have to change the culture of law enforcement to a point, because if I have a body camera on, if I habitually do something long enough, it doesn't matter, and I have a body camera on that can show exactly my, my inappropriate conduct, but we find officers still doing
2: this, and we have body bags still, still being filled. Yeah.
5: How do we address that issue?
2: It's very difficult to address. Uh, you, you'd find me saying a lot of things I see on television. Just aren't right. Sure. On the other hand, I caution people that we expect the police to protect us, sure. yeah. and uh, and from that standpoint, I always say, you know, we aren't in their shoes at that particular time, mm-hmm. and, and and without knowing that, I think we have to be cautious drawing judgments. Sure. And, but I've seen I've seen things on television that policemen should not be doing, uh, and. Uh, but I also think all of us expect policemen to protect us, and I think uh, we've had a reaction now from police that tends to be that they better be very cautious what they do. And maybe some crimes go on, uh, or some criminals get away, not just necessarily with murder, you know, the old saying, right. yeah. but you get away with committing a crime because maybe the police think. Well, I could be in the same place as that other policeman that maybe did something he thought was right at the time and we look into the facts and it was wrong.
4: Sure. No, no, and I agree with that. I think you know we have some excellent. uh, Yeah, we have some good law enforcement out there.
10: We have really good ones out there. You've got the bad ones mixed in with the good, so you have to sort of weigh that, weigh the two against, weigh the bad against the good. And there's there's a mixture out there. And you got to
4: find. I believe you got to have to you have to find that balance. And again, I believe without you take law enforcement off the street today,
10: we're in trouble. We are
4: we are in a bad situation, but it's a matter of finding fine tuning and getting rid of the bad and helping hopefully uh, keeping the good going. Senator, uh, did you know a new House Speaker, uh, Paul Ryan, uh, in place? Uh, uh, different change in the culture here in Washington. Uh, I've always had a great deal of respect for, for, for Mr. Ryan. and uh, Your thoughts as the Congress gets ready to go to a new era, if you will, a new direction, um, and in and, and all respect to uh, to House Speaker Beiner, is it Beiner? Beiner. I'm sorry, I pronounced it wrong. Uh, all due respect to him. I saw the the, the, the closing and the emotion. And, um, great deal of respect for what you folks are doing up here. So, our best to to him. And your thoughts on on, on uh, Mr. Ryan as as we get ready to go in another direction in the president election, all these things, say new tide it things for the country. Your thoughts on that.
2: I think you're going to see him willing to tackle things that Congress, uh, not just uh, Boehner, sure congressmen generally haven't been willing to touch tax reform, mm-hmm. uh, Social Security, Medicare, shortfalls, mm-hmm. those things. I think you're going to find him willing to tackle those and take a lead doing and uh, be concerned about the next generation instead of just the next election. Sure. Uh, I, you may not find it in the next year, sure, because uh, you, uh, I don't know whether uh, President Obama is willing to go that direction. Maybe in his last Year you're in office, if it can't be accomplished, why would he go there? So it may be a new president, whether it's a Republican or Democrat. But I think you're going to find Ryan willing to attack some of these uh, issues that are very politically sensitive and uh, and call the third rail of politics. Sure. See? Sure. No, I got you on that. And, and, and what a
4: question for you, Senator, on the judiciary. Uh, a great deal of responsibility lays at the feet of uh, the members of the judiciary, their purpose, Um, This information I've given you to review, we've put together, uh, and I'll just kind of paraphrase the Judiciary Committee, the federal legislator of these United States, that come together for a common interest to discuss, arrange, and promote resolutions over matters relating to the administration of justice for one nation under God with liberty and justice for all. And under, we have the quote, uh, of the oath that is taken at the time when the members uh, come into Congress, how important and what role does the judiciary play? Uh, to what level that we might find justice in our country right now?
2: Well, I think that uh, that uh, review of uh, things that were made maybe a generation or two ago are they appropriate for today? So sure. I think sentencing reform and prison reforms, one of those. Mm-hmm. I could add asset for feature. Okay. Whether or not the Sixth Amendment rights of people are being carried out adequately is another issue I'm interested in. In other words, your right to counsel. There's a lot of people that don't have the right of counsel because they're involved in something that's minuscule at sure. the time and maybe they uh, accept a plea bargain sure. and they're guilty of a little thing and then they do something else and then they do something else and pretty soon they could be caught up in being a uh, be, be without having counsel agreeing to these things so they don't have to go to jail and then it, it has an accumulated effect that maybe lands them in, in prison sure. as a uh, as a perpetual uh, criminal, you sure. know, yeah, and then all of a sudden they may be suffering a twenty five year sentence. so uh, we we've got to do more to see that people have counsel for sure. even the yeah. lowest levels Absolutely. of crime. Uh, and uh, uh, I believe those are the areas where I would work. But one of the things we're involved in is that person that administers justice in an impartial way because we approve judges. So far this year, we've approved, or in this administration, 320-some judges, I think, and only disapproved two. Uh, And there's still more to be approved yet before this president leaves office. Uh, But, you know, you want to see that you, since it is a lifetime appointment and the only way you get them out is impeachment, uh, and uh, from from that standpoint, then, uh, you you know, you want to make sure you get the right people in that will uh, administer justice in an impartial way. I call that judicial temperament. People that will make decisions not based upon their own philosophy, but on what the law says and the facts of the case. Oh, absolutely, and, and wow, and that's that's critically important,
4: um, Senator. And again, uh, I'm going to put this in your read file <laughs> <laughs> with that statement made. Uh, that information is critical, and I think this particular uh, information I've left with you in your office today uh, is a poster child of why it is so important of what you've just said. And I think upon you reviewing this that this information, I think you will draw conclusions uh, based upon that statement. And I'm excited to hear your response on that when you have an opportunity uh, to get into that. Um, any aspirations, uh, uh, Senator, as you go forward? Uh, you've been a long-standing. Uh, 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 person of public service to the United States. Uh,
2: what do you see yourself 10 years from today? Well, not a member of Congress. <laughs> I'm, 80, I'm 82 years old. I'm running for re-election. At the end of the next term, I'll be close to 90. Uh, I would imagine that I that I won't be running again. I hope the Lord allows me to finish out that term. Sure. Sure. And, uh, but in the meantime... Serving the people of Iowa, because that's my first responsibility. Sure. Or I suppose I mm-hmm. should say allegiance to the Constitution, but after allegiance mm-hmm. to the Constitution, is serving your people. Uh, serving the nation, but representing your sure. people, uh, and trying to uh, make the processes of government work. One of the things we haven't talked about that I do a great deal of time on is what you call oversight. Mm-hmm. Now, if you use the word oversight, people say, well, what in the heck are you talking about? But you, you know you you studied in government about checks and balances of government. We're the lawmaking branch, but you, it doesn't stop by passing law and getting in the books. Sure. You have a responsibility to make sure as a check on the executive branch of government, like the president's check on us by vetoing legislation. We have a responsibility to make sure that the laws are adequately uh, enforced. Sure. And uh, I spend a great deal of my time in many many instances where. Uh, where uh, people are interested in, in just what they want to do and maybe going beyond the law and exposing that. Now, I can't fire the people, uh, but, you know, you hope that, that by just embarrassing them that they aren't following the law. Sure. Or whistleblowers come to me, and whistleblowers are considered considered uh, like at a picnic, you know, sure. in the bureaucracy. They don't like them, but I find a lot of wrong by listening to whistleblowers, and I go after that wrong. I try to protect the whistleblower. That's what my job is, of making sure that the laws, that the executive branch under a Republican or Democrat president faithfully executes those laws. And I don't care whether we have a Republican or Democrat president. Uh, I'm a Republican, but I have a responsibility to make sure that whatever party's in power, and I think I have a reputation being an equal opportunity, uh, overshare. No, oh, absolutely.
4: And, and the oversight is critical. Uh, as we have talked to, again, the other members of Congress, the oversight of these uh, implementation, if you will, of laws, of legislation. Uh, if you don't have oversight, people can run rapid. And again, as you said, the steps involved. I think that's what's so admirable uh, about you, Senator, that uh, this is what, and you can feel, Lisa, the passion. Uh, from the Senator here, uh, that is as far as your love to carry out and to uphold the Constitution of the United States, that affects every citizen, not only today, generations to come uh, are affected by your decisions and that passion. I think you leave a legacy here uh, beyond your time here in Congress. By the actions and what you do today, I think that's that's very
7: respectful. Lisa. Good thoughts on this.
10: Yeah, I think uh, I think from what I the research that I've done on you, I think you definitely have that reputation for you don't you're not concerned with Democrat or Republican. You're trying to do the right thing for the people, and I think that's one of the things that made us want to come and talk to you because you're very much for the people and you're for all the people, and it doesn't matter which side of the which side of the line, whether it's blue or red, it doesn't matter you're out there trying to do something good for the people and we appreciate that.
4: Yeah, and it, it says here in the oath it says I do solemnly swear that I will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that I will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that I take this obligation freely without any mental reservation or purpose or evasion and that I will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the in which I am about to enter, so help me God. That is the oath taken by members of Congress when they come in. What is so amazing about that to me is that defending the Constitution of the United States is against all enemies. That may very well be sitting judges who don't uphold the Constitution. How do we categorize who are the enemies of the Constitution, those that violate the, the Constitution. And or they say
10: foreign and domestic. Foreign and
4: domestic. So that's right here at home. I think that's that's critically important as you read that. Um, and I'm going to put this right back where I had it. Uh, but I think that's that's so, so very important. And, and I mean, we believe, and I'll say to the folks out there of Iowa, uh, you got it right here with Senator Grassley. Grassley. You got it right. And uh, the fact that, and I say this all the time, Senator, you know, somebody went out on a cold November night, depending on your geographic location, uh, and Iowa would, would meet the the, the, uh, the cold night, if you will. It gets cold in Iowa. So they went out there and they said, we believe in Senator Grassley. We believe in him. And your tenure here on Capitol Hill tells you that the people of Iowa continue to believe in what you're doing. Uh, and I'm going to say to the folks that, that re-election is coming up and all these things that are going on, guess what? Um, do it again. Let's make the right decision again <laughs> and uh, and get Senator uh, uh, Aggressively reelected because he's doing some great things out here for not only uh, you folks in Iowa but the folks here uh, across the United States. Uh, this is something that's so important, uh, Senator, and for you to take time with us today, we've counted eighty as a privilege and an honor. Uh, and again, our our listeners uh, believe in uh, what 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 Capitol Hill is doing. I think we've again we've set precedents. I believe here to say, look, you can turn on Fox, CNN, and all these other networks, and you're going to get maybe a five minute. Turn on, on the Senator and people form their own conclusion.
2: Five seconds. Five, five seconds. And so, I mean, I mean, it's usually negative. It's <laughs> negative
4: here. You know, we're saying, look, it's, this country is running on a day-to-day basis but because somebody behind
2: the scenes is doing something. You're one of those folks that are doing. I would beg you to let me thank you instead of you thanking me because uh, whether it's uh, TV or newspaper or radio, you're a medium making the process of representative government work. And so you're helping me communicate with my constituents, or people that aren't my constituents. It doesn't matter, and I, I appreciate that very much. More so, under the First Amendment, we call it freedom of press, but it's all sorts of communication. Uh, you're kind of the policeman of our uh, of our rep- small our Republican form of government, representative government, the policeman to make sure that the things we do are done according to law, according to the Constitution, not underhand, sure. exposing things. Sure. And it's a good thing that we have that First Amendment uh, so you can be independent of the government uh, to make sure that everything's done in a constitutional right way.
4: No, and, and that's, that's well spoken. Uh, we know we are up against the clock yeah. here. That <laughs> uh, senator has some pressing business to get to, and we again, we appreciate the tithe and Senator, I cannot stress to you enough uh, the information we have left. You will find this is probably more valuable or critical, if you will, than any top secret thing you'll review in your time here on the Hill. That's how important this information, and I. we take you at your word. You will review that. Please get back with us on that. That is some serious stuff based upon the statements that you've made today. I do thank you so much. And, folks, there you have it, Senator Grassley, making a difference in our nation's capital on Capitol Hill. Thank you, Senator. We appreciate it. You bet, yes. Thank you so much. Good to see you. Thank you. And there you have it, folks. Um, Senator Chuck Grassley, the legend. Uh, what a great man. William, uh, your thoughts on him? I mean, I,
5: I don't even know where to start. I I think out of that interview, one of the greatest things he said, he said, I don't care who, Democrat or Republican, is in the White House. He cares about the execution of the law. He cares about the people being serviced. No, oh, absolutely. And, he uh, cares. I mean, I, mean, that's, I mean, you can't – he said, look, I'm a Republican. I don't care who, what party affiliations – you belong to, I care about you doing your job. Well
4: and, and, and folks, you look, um we're coming back uh on the other side of this break. We're gonna
5: discuss a little bit
4: more about uh Senator Grassley, uh what he's doing. Uh is it, it just speaks volumes. And uh we'll be right back on the other side of this break. Do you know
10: do you anyone know anyone since in prison for innocent? 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 or visit a-justcause.com and click the Donate button. A Just Cause is a 501c3. Wrongful convictions are wrong. Let's be the voice of those who can't speak from behind the wall.
3: We have a big problem, and we need your help.
4: It's happening on college campuses,
5: at bars, at parties, even in high schools. It's happening to our sisters and our daughters,
3: our wives and our friends.
5: It's called sexual assault and it has to stop.
3: We have to stop it. So listen up. If she doesn't consent or if she can't consent, it's rape,
2: it's assault.
8: It's a crime, it's wrong. If I saw it happening, I was taught you have to do something about it. If I saw it happening, I speak up.
3: If I saw it happening, I'd never blame her. I'd help
8: her.
3: Because I don't want to be a part of the problem. I want to be a part of the solution.
8: We need all of you to be part of the solution. This is about respect. It's about responsibility. It's up to all of us to put an end to sexual assault. And that starts with you. Because one is too many.
10: Ugh, my boyfriend helped me. I still have to finish my research project and my parents' divorce is tearing me apart.
9: Does this sound like you?
10: I just feel hopeless. Someone is always there to help. Don't give up. When you feel like you don't belong, talk about it. Never keep things locked inside. If
5: you need help, please call the suicide hotline number at 1-800-273-8255. Your life matters. Don't give up.
10: Picture this, a 75-year-old man convicted of murder waiting for his trial to finally go through. He's been on death row for 25 years now and finds out he's been wrongfully convicted and is completely innocent. Not only does this mean that 25 years of his life have been spent in jail for no reason, but that the actual murderer could still be out there right now. The bad thing is that this exact thing happens more often than you think, but you can help stop it by supporting our campaign to abolish the death
2: penalty. First of all... To compliment Senator McCaskill and Senator Johnson for their leadership of bringing this bill out of their committee, a committee I don't serve on, but a bill that's very important to the oversight work of this senator and I hope every senator considers it very important. And I would say uh, that I agree with everything they have said. I want to emphasize what they said, and I want to take a few minutes to do that because I feel strongly about this piece of legislation. But there's an important principle here, a very important principle that we ought to keep in mind because it's an insult to 100 senators and 435 members of the House of Representatives. When legislation's written and you explain very clearly what that legislation is supposed to accomplish. That an Inspector General would have access to all records. And then you have a lawyer in the Office of Legal Counsel in the Department of Justice. One person, one person making an interpretation of a law that's contrary to congressional intent, but that one person out of two million people in the executive branch of government that can override the will of 535 members of Congress. And that will was expressed way back in 1978. And uh, just a little different quote of a letter that Senator Johnson has already talked about from a respected member of this Senate for 24 or maybe 30 years, Senator John Glenn of Ohio, who was very much interested in making sure that we had strong oversight by Congress and within the executive branch, that they had strong oversight that, uh, uh, that the uh, IG would do within a specific department. And he uh, was one of the chief architects, Senator John Glenn of Ohio, one of the chief architects of this legislation, he quotes, uh, full and unfettered access is vital to an IG's ability to effectively prevent and detect fraud, waste, and abuse in an agency's programs and activities. End of quote. Now here we are, what Senator John Glenn said when he was a member of this body and this legislation passed. And we have one lawyer out of two million executive branch employees interpreting a statute contrary to congressional intent and then overriding. In other words, giving uh, cabinet heads opportunities to avoid doing what Inspector General Law says and what an Inspector General needs to do to do their job, have access.
4: Wow. Well, there you have it. Uh, no, Make no mistake about it. Senator Grassley is not one to be played with. And his argument that he's making is critical. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to Spotlight on Capitol Hill as we get ready to continue our shining the light on Senator Grassley. Uh, and what he's talking about here is accountability again. He is saying that the Inspector General... Should have access to records of administrations of of government uh, entities, if you will, and to deal with those the issues, Cliff, and say no, you're going to be accountable. We are going to detect. He said to detect fraud, to detect, excuse me, fraud and abuse by these particular uh, uh, government agencies. I think th- this speaks volume, and he is very uh, forceful with this. Again, we talked about that before. Your thoughts on the
7: senator's position here? You yeah, know, well, I mean, this goes back to the we talked about it before, but uh, fast and furious gun situation with uh, Attorney General uh, Eric Colton and his office, and uh, this is this is uh, Senator Grass saying you owe the all members of Congress an explanation about what you did. The Inspector General of every department requested those records and one attorney in the office DFD was able to turn those back that is the type of that is how critical this issue is because you see that that one man can hold back the fact that a family member died these these guns are loose in the hands of enemies of america and there needs to be an answer and uh senator grassley is saying Look at this one situation and how many people it affects. The American people are old in an answer, so we need transparency. Absolutely. And when Congress speaks, there should be an answer from whatever oh. branch. If the, if the president has to answer to Congress, why shouldn't the attorney general?
4: Hey, Well, he makes a point here. I thought that was good. Uh, it says the creation of the inspector general is not a radical idea, says Congressman Sensenbrenner. Inspector General exists in over sixty executive, excuse me, executive agencies, boards, and commissions in Congress as well. They shine a light on the internal operations of these entities in order to prevent fraud and improve efficiency and accountability. There is no reason why the judicial branch should be exempt from this type of oversight. The judicial branch falls under Judge Christine Arguello. It 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 judge, it, it falls Jesus. under the appellate court. It right. falls under the, the, the Supreme. Court. This is how is it that the inspector general does not have the same power
6: to deal with the judicial press when that is the highest level
4: of corruption
6: in the country right now? And Lamont, and you know what, I think that's why it's going to take more than a little retraining to address this problem. You know, it's like those that are responsible, they need to be held accountable. And so it's it's because of behavior like this it threatens the very nature of independent oversight of law enforcement.
4: Yeah, and and this, this goes way back uh years that they have been uh that they were pushing that issue uh in regards to uh the inspector uh uh, uh the inspector general uh having access. Uh, right. I believe that is Cliff, I believe that is the case now. Uh I believe that legislation was passed where the Inspector General does have access now uh, There's a representative in the Department Of Justice that is, is set there to Oversee uh, the, the Conduct of the Department of Justice
7: Right and the Department of Justice has always had The Inspector General there and in every department he, There is an Inspector General it's how much Power that department has Relinquishes sure. to the Inspector I mean because the Inspector General is supposed to say I am oversight for this Department I answer to no one but the President But in this in this situation where Senator Grassley was speaking, an attorney for DOJ came out and said the inspector general doesn't have uh, authority or access over these records, which is a clear misrepresentation of the law. And that's why Grassley was so upset and showed his fervor and he his sure passion did. that the American people need to answer. That is why we need people like Grassley on the Senate to press these type of issues to ensure there's oversight, and when the oversight fails or when someone tries to circumvent the system that's set in place, someone needs to attack that, needs to stand in front of Congress, get it on the record that, hey, you have a step outside of your bounds. When all members of Congress speak and make a request, you have no right to go to uh, buck against that.
4: No, and, and that, makes, that makes all the mm-hmm. sense in the world. And man, what, how we applaud Senator Grassley, uh, that's not a show. You can't, that, that's not something you fake.
5: No. Uh, Senator
4: Grassley was highly uh, upset because he takes the oath. If he went as far as to be the the senator that has cast the most votes in Congress and has not missed one, he's apparently serious about his job. And he's serious about the oath he took that you heard at the top of this program that they solemnly swear to protect and uphold the Constitution of the United States, where there is no transparency... In our government, the Constitution is on the street. True. That's the, the bottom line. You can you can fix it any way
5: you want to fix where it. Where there's no democracy. If we can't see it, we can't vote on it. We have no opinion about it. And I think go ahead. Go no, ahead, William. No, I no, I, I was just sitting here. I mean, this man it's beyond passion. It's beyond passion what you heard. And he's been fighting for this for some time. I mean we looking here at going through the background. He's been fighting for this like, since two thousand and seven? I mean, the, this is, this is, and he's still battling with it today. He mentioned it in his interview. He said, listen, we need to have accountability all the way through the process. Fifth Amendment violations, Sixth Amendment violations. He's gone on to – he even said the, the term that I wrote down was judicial temperament, hmm. the right attitude by the judge not to impose their flavor of law yeah. but to stay in alignment with the law. Now, now Arguello, she violated that. Period. Well, it
4: it speaks to the importance of transparency, and uh, I think until, again, Senator Grassley, what separates him, in my opinion, is his willingness to continue to fight. Legislation doesn't come legislation overnight. There are battles on the Senate floor. There are battles on the House floor. There are conflicts. There is controversy, but a warrior and a soldier continues to fight. Senator Grassley strikes me as one of a general that says says what it is. He's not backing down from it. You know why? This is about America. This is about the democracy that we are supposed to hold true. This is about the Constitution that we base our entire democracy on. Senator Grassley is the example of leadership.
6: I don't think there's anything else to say about it. And, Lamont, uh, Senator Grassley is proud of the fact that he's not an attorney, and he brings a different perspective to Congress because most of them are. So he brings that refreshing, no-nonsense style to the table because of his integrity. He he can do that. He can speak that way because— of how he lives, you see, of of how well, he enforces it. You can't sit up there and, and, and talk so hard about a thing when you're in that same boat, but because of his integrity, he can do that.
4: Well, without question, and, and the bottom line is uh, this is what shakes Washington up. Uh, the good old boys network is shaken up by leadership That's right. of integrity, of honesty, and I said it before, I'll say it again, you took an oath, and that oath was for one purpose, to uphold and to fight against the foreign and domestic, enemy of the Constitution That's of the United
7: right. States. And right. you hear his passion for the Constitution. And everything that he because he realizes that the Constitution is the document by which America is made and by, by which the American people have their freedom. So you hear it in everything that he's saying. He's saying, no, there should be oversight because we have to allow the American people. This is. Law by the people and for the people, for the interest of the American people, wow. and you hear it in everything that he says that this is a protection of the Constitution. Because, like with this, uh, with with this lawyer and DOJ, right? Basically, circumventing Congress—that is How do you against that? the Constitution, <laughs> and that is why he was fighting so hard. He's yeah. saying. This is not how the Constitution was laid out. This law was set in place to ensure there's no waste, fraud, or abuse in every office of government. And that is why he pushes so hard because saying the Constitution is, at, is, is being threatened here wow. with this type of activity. And he fights it and fights it and fights it. And when you listen to him, yeah. you realize that he is fighting it for the American people because he's, wow. I mean, he's 83 years old. He's seen a lot of things right. in his time on the Hill. He understands if you let things like this go. That all it just it begins it has a snowball effect and he is a senator that's ensuring that snowball effect does not take place on his watch. Wow, ladies and gentlemen, do you hear
4: that? You say, what are you talking about? AJC Radio, do you hear the sound of a warrior? Ladies and gentlemen, we hear the sound of of Senator Chuck Grassley, and he's making some steps and he's making some noise, folks. I don't know if your fans are put up for the season. You may want to take him out because it's getting hot again up here in AJC, and I'm sure it's hot at your location as we continue this discussion with a man of passion, of integrity, of strength, of courage. But we're just getting started. Ladies and gentlemen, AJC Radio, we're coming right back. Stay with us and cool off. This is Agency Radio Spotlight on Capitol Hill. Ladies and gentlemen, can I ask you a question? Did you know that there are over 2.4 million people behind bars in the United States? I'll ask you one more question. Were you aware that that is the highest number of people behind bars in the entire world? The United States makes up of only 5% of the world's population but we have over 25% of the world's prison population. America prides itself on being the most advanced and progressive nation on earth. However, sadly, we are also the world's most archaic. I'm going to give you a personal invitation to get involved with the fight against mass incarceration. Take a few moments to call one 855-529-4252 855-529-4252 that is a just cause and we fight for justice again call a just cause today don't delay call one it is time and I say high time that we take America's incarceration seriously Won't you join us? Call today.
8: How often does our justice system get it wrong? Convicting innocent people of crimes they did not commit. A new project by the University of Michigan Law School and the Center for Wrongful Convictions of Northwestern University School of Law tries to answer that question. In the last 23 years, more than 2,000 people have been convicted of serious crimes and later exonerated, according to the National Registry of Exonerations. By far, the largest segment was almost 1,200 defendants falsely convicted because of large scale patterns of police corruption, generally in drug and gun cases. ...meaning 873 defendants exonerated, nearly half were wrongly convicted of murder, and of that group, 101 were sentenced to death. On average, it took more than 11 years for a conviction to be set aside. Why does the justice system get it wrong? In homicides, the biggest problem is perjury and false accusation, most often by supposed eyewitnesses. False convictions in adult rape cases are primarily based on mistakes by eyewitnesses, while false convictions in child sex abuse cases... Cases are often for fabricated crimes that never occurred. 2,000 exonerations may seem small in a nation with more than 2.3 million people behind bars, but there are far more false convictions than the report contains. Most false convictions are never formally challenged, and those convictions that are successfully overturned receive little or no attention from the media, according to the report's authors.
2: Juvenile justice programs are very important tools to help local communities serve and protect at-risk youth. The Juvenile Justice and Delinquency Prevention Act was created 40 years ago to ensure the safety of youth who enter the criminal justice system and assist states with their juvenile justice programs and activities. However, these programs haven't been revisited by the Senate in more than a dozen years. Today, the Senate Judiciary passed legislation that I introduced along with Senator Whitehouse that provides long overdue policy refresh to these important tools. Our bill will improve opportunities for our nation's most vulnerable children and strengthen safeguards for youth who encounter the juvenile justice system. The bill phases out the exception that permits states to lock up juveniles who commit status offenses, such as running away or curfew violations. It also adds additional support for youth with mental illnesses and guards against fraud and mismanagement of grant funds through enhanced oversight. We address concerns brought forward by whistleblowers who provided evidence that many states fall far short of the core requirements to receive taxpayer-funded grants. We crafted new accountability requirements to ensure that taxpayer dollars are being used appropriately. Our goal with this bill is to make sure that these vulnerable youth can benefit from the program's full potential. I'm hopeful that the Senate will act quickly to move this bill forward.
4: And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to Agency Radio. Spotlight on Capitol Hill. Whoo! this has been a show. My name is Lamont Banks, along with Jeanette Williams, Cliff Stewart, and William Williams. Lisa is off tonight. And I'll tell you right now, folks, I got a lot of energy right now. And I can tell you it is from what we have heard tonight and what we have seen, Cliff, in regards to Senator... Grassley, a man that if you heard what he's talking about there he goes into juvenile uh revisiting juvenile uh programs as far as the justice system is concerned not wanting our juveniles to get caught up in a system uh programs that help enhance and to aid our juveniles our troubled youth from different areas and protect them and to protect them i think that is so very critical but it William, when you when you listen to the to the senator, on one end, you know we had to turn the temperature down. It was so hot in here, and the passion of this senator, but the genocide side of Senator Grassley, yes, dealing going to the heart and the core of the foundation of
5: America, yes, and that is our children. Yeah, he uh, I, he really, I mean, this man is so broad. I mean, but the policies that he that he addresses and the issues that he takes up. But, um, you know, the thing is, is that he understands, you know, children, they'll make some decisions. They'll make some mistakes There's children in foster care. All of them need, you know, a, just a handout, just just something to say we love you, we care about you. They need the support. Um, and he understands there's legislation that needs to be done to provide that. I mean, I think that's awesome. Jeanette?
6: Yeah, I was um, listening to him, and I think what, what got me – the most about what he was talking about is that he's trying to get these youth um, in their prime, like before they get caught up in the system. That was that was the thing. He, he says that they're the nation's most vulnerable youth. He's um, he introduced this bill to um, ensure that they are safe. And when they are in this system, he said that that, that the whole reason he wrote this bill was to address the needs of the at risk youth who come into contact with the justice system, um, but it also is like um reducing the the disparities and and he 's trying to protect the the mentally abused the sure. the the uh, people who are on drugs and all those things, but like i said he 's getting them while they 're young and he's introducing this bill. it reminded me of another bill where when he was talking about the um, the sentencing reform, he was saying that. One of the things that people don't pay attention to is when they're coming out. He wanted to help prisoners successfully re-enter society. That is something that nobody pays attention to, the re-entrance. No, without
4: question. And if you go further on the delinquency prevention, it requires the Office of the Juvenile Justice and Delinquency uh, Prevention to report annually on policies and procedures to eliminate dangerous practices and unreasonable use of restraint in the detention of juveniles and on criteria for identifying evidence-based and promising programs for delinquency prevention. Provide for the allocation of grant funding to states based on the most recent census data. Expand requirements for state plans for juvenile justice and delinquency prevention to include community-based alternatives to the detention of juveniles in correctional facilities. Enhance mental health and substance abuse screening and a description of the use of funds for re-entry into the community of juveniles after release to require an OJJDP to establish a uniform method of data collection of technology for evaluating data on juvenile recidivism and annual, on an annual basis and provide training and technical assistance to states and local governments. Cliff, he's going the extra mile, if not more.
7: Many miles on this Exactly and when you you look at this bill And, and one of the things that uh, that really stands out Is that he's he's really looking to the future of the youth And for all youth because in this bill He states that it's to ensure the fairness And reduce racial and ethnic disparities In the detention of juveniles Enhance requirements for separating juveniles From adults and, and, and so on and so forth But it's very important that he's saying I mean, he he states it out. He says to to ensure fairness and reduce racial and ethnic disparity. So wow. he's laying out that there is an ethnic and racial disparity on the way juveniles are brought sure. into the detention center, and it, it it goes right in line with the the uh, the the school to prison pipeline. Absolutely. And And anybody who knows anything about the school to prison pipeline is that you have uh, children of color, black, African American, whatever you want to call, it, and Hispanic children typically or or for a very large part, go directly from school to prison instead of from from uh you know from high school to higher education. the children are going to prison. This bill says we want to ensure that there's a fairness and reduce reduce racial and ethnic disparities, saying that we have to set something in place to ensure that all children have have a fair chance have a way of of getting an education instead of getting locked up when they get out of school. Oh, yeah. And you have to commend him no. for even making that statement.
4: Yeah, it, it, it speaks volumes. You know, we, You know, there's, there's times at the AJC radio uh, studio where we are speechless, yet we're still talking. Uh, if, that, if that's not a contradiction, however, uh, that's how you feel because what he is doing is overwhelming. And he's talking about, Cliff, you alluded to the point, it, and William – and, and, Jeanette, to the point, he is. this is about the future. He is concerned about the future. And uh, Congress, uh, Senator Grassley went even further. You, you know everybody uh, in, the, in the country right now is concerned about the terrorist situation, right. dealing with ISIS, uh, the, the horrible attacks in Paris. What happened to those people? Senator Grassley seems to be connected like an octopus. So many different hands and arms in every situation that we are facing, and he is 83 years young doing what he is doing. Let's hear what he had to say about the terrorist attacks
2: in Paris. It's uh, too bad that things in Paris happened last week, and as a result of that, a lot of speeches are given on the floor of the United States Senate about terrorism. Uh, I come to the floor for the same reason, but it's when I say it's too bad, it's too bad that we talk about the dangers of terrorism and think about them when things that happen in the United States or happen in Paris or someplace else brings it to our attention because I think what we all need to remember it's a constant, danger that may not appear to us daily, but somewhere is out there, there are people thinking about killing us for what we believe. So I rise today again expressing my sympathies to the people of Paris and those affected by Friday's terrible attacks by radical Islamist terrorists. there on behalf of the people of Iowa I continue to stand with the people of France. Unfortunately, the attacks last Friday should not have been a surprise. Radical Islamist terrorists have been waging war against the United States and our allies. If you think towards the last three decades of the last century, you can think about the terrorism at the Munich Olympics or an American being murdered on a TWA plane. That person murdered, I think his name was Steinem. Then we had a a Jewish person in a a wheelchair thrown overboard in the Mediterranean. We had the attempt to bring down the uh, the towers, in 1993 by car We had uh, marines murdered in Lebanon, Uh, over 200 I think it was. We had the attack on the towers in Saudi Arabia where our military people were living. We had the East African embassies attacked. And we had the USS Cole attacked. Now most of those happened before They all happened before 9-11. Since 9-11, attacks have occurred around the world that I want to concentrate on, from the train bombings in Madrid, 2004, to the suicide bombings in London, 2005, to the senseless slaughter in the streets of Mumbai in uh, 2008. My focus today will be on the United States homeland. Terrorists have continued to try to attack us here on many occasions since 9-11. Some of these attacks have succeeded. Most of them have failed. Some of them have involved direct coordination with terrorist leaders abroad. And some have been committed by lone wolves inspired by terrorists overseas or the views of those terrorists.
4: And there you have it, uh William Cliff, uh Jeanette. You're talking about talking about a touchy issue here, and you can hear in Senator Grassley's voice the call for concern. Yes. The history of terrorists is clear. They have sought out to this. He said they have sought out to kill us, to destroy us. This is a Senator, uh, William Cliff Jeanette, who is connected to the issues of the American people. Because I guarantee you, America is having the same questions. They have the same anxieties. Senator Grassley is painting a very clear picture. Make no mistake about it. This is not something that happened yesterday in America. This has been an ongoing issue in the United States.
9: That's right. That's and he right.
4: speaks to the lives, the people, the fathers, the mothers, the brothers, the sisters who have died at
7: the hand of terrorists. Cliff, good thoughts on that. That's right, isn't it? I mean, you you have to. When you, you look at the way he holistically looks at, at the whole situation and how he calls out, I mean, this is, this is the type of man that moves you to say, we need to take the match. Absolutely. We, we need to do something. I mean, that is how much his passion gets you when he's oh, talks about the things that he's concerned with. And, it, says, says, yeah, if, if, it, and it, it always takes a leader that says, I'll stand up first. Somebody that you follow into battle. And Senator Grassley, from a from a congressional, uh, you know, just fair constitutional oversight perspective, is saying we can go into battle and and I'm going, you follow me or not. But I'm going into battle. Wow. And, and that's what it takes. That is what it takes to say that I am a I am a, a a congressional leader that will take the position of being in the forefront to ensure that these issues are taken care of. And and it goes all the way back to him never skipping a vote. To say, this is my stance, yeah. this is my position, and this is what I'm about,
6: about getting it done.
4: No, absolutely. Jeanette?
6: Yeah, to that point, um, he actually took the time to, to uh, listen to the people. And some of them were complaining and saying that they felt concerned about the loss of life and everything with the war and all that, and that they felt like the sacrifice wasn't worth it. He took the time to explain to them in a town meeting that... Um, it would it, that he understood their pain but it would pay an even heavier price to put the future generations well. at risk and a greater risk of the United States if we were to Surrender the free to to our freedoms to hating terrorists. So he basically explained the long term. He took the time no. to say, Okay, I understand what you're feeling here, and I understand the loss you're feeling, but this is why we have to do what we have to do. And oh, no. No, he, no go he,
4: ahead, Jeanette. I'm sorry. Go no, ahead.
6: no, no. It's okay. Go ahead.
4: Oh, well, I'll tell you what, ladies and gentlemen, maybe the AC has been turned on. Uh, maybe not. But I'll tell you what, when you listen to Senator Grassley. It'll give you a chill. Why is that? Because we lack the passion, the fight, if you will, in this day and age to attack what is, is basically threatening us. To that fact, let me take a moment and thank Senator Tuck Grassley for sitting down with us in Washington and for talking to us and for opening our eyes that members of Congress are doing something. Senator Grassley is one of those people, and I'll tell you, we salute you, Senator Grassley, you and your staff, your team there in Washington, that is making an impact and leaving an imprint on a nation. It's one thing to have a rainstorm effect on a country. When you talk about Senator Grassley, he is making and having a tsunami effect, not only today, but for our future generations. It doesn't get any bigger than that, ladies and gentlemen. We thank you again, Senator Grassley, for your service to America and and all that you've done to make a difference in this country. And, uh, folks, I wish we had more time to go into that. Coming up, to the points of Senator Grassley, there's a case that speaks very clear to me that he would be concerned about. But what are you talking about, Lamont? They call him the IRP-6, the Injustice. That took place, and the perpetrators of justice that put them wrongfully behind bars now counting down three and a half years. We're coming right back of what you didn't know about the R.P. Six, folks. Stay with us. For a kid whose a kid mom, mom or dad, mom dad is in sh- prison, prison. prison, life is life. tough. Now add a wrongful conviction to that. that, Life just got a little bit tougher. tougher. Trying to explain to friends why why mom or dad dad is not at the school 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 play or or, or at the ball ball game 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 is something that no kid kid, kid should ever be faced with. with. Especially Especially if mom or dad dad is innocent. 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 Ladies and gentlemen, get involved today to stop the epidemic of wrongful conviction. By remembering, By remembering a just, just, just call with a monthly, monthly or one-time, or one-time donation, you can help you can in the help fight against wrongful conviction. Call a, call, call a just call today. one 5 5 2 We seek justice for the children. For the children. As they go to bed at night, night, and and night. mom's not mom's there. Dad's not in the other room. To make them feel, feel safe. Not because, not because dad or mom dad or did anything wrong. anything wrong. Because justice, justice could, not be, could not be found. Join us. Join us. For, the children. For the children. For they truly, For they are, truly are. Our future. Our future. And welcome back, ladies and gentlemen, to AJC Radio, where we bring the message of justice all around the world. And I'll tell you right now, folks, tonight we go into what you didn't know about the IRP6 case. Tonight we touch in on a subject that is critical. Who are the IRP6? We said it earlier. David Banks, Gary Walker, Dave Zappolo, Kendrick Barnes, Demetrius Harper, and Clinton Stewart they share one common uh one common uh thread if you will and that they have been wrongfully convicted wrongfully sent to prison for no crime being committed they were doing the process there's a thing called bond pending appeal that is given to most defendants uh the RP6 men were were earlier in the process uh completely compliant with complying with the court and not being a flight risk on any level. Cliff, as we were talking about this, the the steps that they took was unbelievable of what they did to ensure just to harass these men, just to make their lives as the most horrible uh way of dealing, they did that to these men. Honestly, trying to break them when they more than qualified for bond pending appeal. You have people that are on charges of assault that get bond pending appeal. The RP six were no threat to the community. They were no threat to anything. Why, Cliff? Then was it so important to to get this done for these men?
7: Well, you look at first what happened after after the sentencing. They were immediately remanded into custody, which on a on 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 a a federal case of you know, even when someone is guilty of fraud or or conspiracy, hardly ever are they remanded into custody. And you're talking about a case that was stated by the FBI that this is a civil matter and uh that's another issue to get into. But when you look at them being remanded into custody held uh in the Denver detention center for forty days even before they got on I mean these are the type of things that happen with uh you know hard and criminal dope dealers uh like you say lamont uh people who are on assault charges but you look at the statement that that Matthew Kirsch, the prosecutor uh said in in uh in their sentence that we got to get these men put back, locked up after they were after they came up to sentencing, and he he makes a statement. We have to get these men put back in jail. Now, you say, why would the prosecutor be so? Why does he say, well, you need? You've already been sentenced. Why is he so bent on? We got to get you put back in jail. It's to silence these men so that they cannot have the voice to say the things that happened to them in the courtroom by. The uh, prosecutor Matthew Kirsch and Sunita Hasra, and by federal judge Christine Arguello. I mean, for her to immediately remand them into custody and then make a suggestion to the magistrate judge to call them a flight risk. These are men that uh, Matthew Kirsch had already talked to places that they that they worked, got at least one of them fired. Had talked to uh, another place that they were they were interviewing at, saying you can't hire them. Because, you know, calling them felons before even an indictment came down. Yeah. Talking, ensuring that, that business was interrupted with in Philadelphia, in and Depart- and, uh, Department of Homeland uh, Security and M- NYPD. Telling these potential clients, do not do business with these men. Why? Because they're under an investigation. That is not the law. And you look at the whole thing, it all leads to we have to get them in prison. And then when they get them there said oh, no bond-pending appeal, which is unheard of in a case like this. Everyone who has ever heard it said, how did they not get bond-pending appeal? Every federal case that's about uh, some fraud or conspiracy, you get bond-pending appeal. It is yep. this, it is unheard of what happened to the IRP6, which tells you that the conspiracy is not on their part, but the conspiracy is on the part of the prosecutor no. and Judge Christine Arguello.
4: No, and that's without question. I'll tell you right now that the bottom line here – uh, and I think it goes to the point, Cliff, what you didn't know, ladies and gentlemen of America, about the IRP-6, these men had no criminal record. None. They had no criminal record whatsoever. But you'll have people walk into a courtroom and get the, have the opportunity to have bond pending appeal with questionable behavior, past behavior, that raises a red flag. And it is still granted.
5: Well, this is nonviolent. I mean, the bottom line is it, none of this stuff that we're talking about warrants this, this kind of behavior. The bottom line is the guys were not flight risk. They had, they had already worked diligently to ruin their business opportunities. I mean, they'd gone around just basically smear mongering the names of the guys, getting them fired. You know, I mean, this is the kind of crap that, that is behind the scenes in this case. That is going beyond. Uh, well, let me say abusing, abusing their power. You know, to really make these guys' life, you know, just miserable. And they were not at risk of doing anything. It's just it's stupid. But when when you even look at violent
7: criminals, you look at you look at a person who committed murder. You look at Bernie Madoff. You look at all these people who they have the means to 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 flee. They. You're talking about they have millions of dollars and they have reasons to run. The IRP6 had all lived in the same city for at least the last 20, 25 years. They all have their families here. They all uh, went to the same church. Their whole foundation, all of their roots are in their home, t- in their uh, in the city they live in. But you call them a flight risk. They, they have no means of flight. Right. You blackball them in the industry. They have no means of flight they they uh they had they were appointed court appointed attorneys to begin with, so the court had already known that pretty much they're indigent, they don't have any money to do anything, and then you call them a flight risk. Where do they get the funds or the means well, to be a flight risk and then how are they uh how are they a uh what do you call a threat to their community totally insane these are these are men who volunteered on a weekly basis. you about at the at the soup kitchen at the homeless shelter yes. volunteered weekly and you call them a threat to their community
5: but commute. but but wait one one quick point cliff weren't they how long was it before they actually went to trial and the grand jury wasn't there a time there that they were they were that they were free
7: oh yeah they were free they were they were released on their own recognizance from the time that the indictment came the indictment came down in 2009 the trial was in uh, what 2010 2011 so you're talking about they had already proven they're not a flight risk. They're not a if, flight risk. If you if you were going to run, you would say okay, I'm running now, before I even have to deal with anything. And then even after the verdict, they could have run then.
4: Well, I'll tell you what in a in a in a bond pending appeal, here's the issue and the conflict or the contradiction or the conflict of interest. The motion for release starts in the district court with the judge that imposed the sentence. The district court may grant release pending appeal if it finds by clear and convincing evidence that the person or persons is not likely to flee or pose a danger to the safety of any other person or the community if released under section thirty one forty two or of this title, and that the appeal is not for the purpose of delay and raise a substantial question of law or fact likely to result in any of the falling, a reversal of the conviction or sentence, an order of a new trial. A sentence that does not include a term of imprisonment, a reduced sentence to a term of imprisonment less than the total of the time already served, plus the expected duration ...of the appeal process. Here is the problem, ladies and gentlemen. What you didn't know is that Judge Christina Aguayo had no intention. If you leave that in the hand of a judge who has violated the Constitution and due process of these men... That's right. ...and their Fifth Amendment right, Yes. do you honestly believe that she would grant bond-pending appeal with her attitude and actions of abuse in clear and present view. Ladies and gentlemen, make no mistake about it. This is what you didn't know about the IRP-6 case. And I'll tell you right now, the questions get tougher. The search for answers continues as we continue to try to find a way and wrap our hands around a judicial system that has failed, and they have failed miserably. There are perpetrators of justice who are responsible for tearing fathers from the homes of their children and from their wives. Do we allow that in America? Do we sit back and let it go? I think not. AJC Radio will not let it go. We will continue to seek for justice. The perpetrators of justice who did, who set out to destroy six men, Patriots of America, David Banks, Gary Walker, Dave Zapolo, Kendrick Barnes, Demetrius Harper, Clint Stewart, patriots, ladies and gentlemen of America. Absolutely. What is going on in this country? It is time to fight. Go out to AJC Radio, go to change.org, sign a petition that we might destroy and stop injustice. And the perpetrators of justice who are responsible, Jeanette, who are they?
6: Yes, Lamont, they are U.S. Attorney John Walk. The Assistant U.S. Attorney Matt Kirsch, Assistant U.S. Attorney Sinaita Hazra, Attorney Greg Goldberg, Federal Judge Christine Arguello, Appellate Judge Jerome Holmes, Appellate Judge Bobby Balduck, Appellate Judge Harris Hart, Federal Judge R. Brooke Jackson, Magistrate Judge Craig Schaefer, Court Reporter Darlene Martinez, FBI Agent John Smith, FBI Agent Robert Mowen, former... Federal Agent John Epke, former Federal Agent Gary Hilberry, Attorney Thomas Goodread, Attorney Clifford Barnard, Attorney Thomas Richard, Attorney Robert Berger, Attorney Mitchell Baker, Attorney Boston Statton Jr., Attorney Rick Cornfield, Attorney Mark Garagos, President of ETI Professional Services, Sue Holland, and Samuel K. Thurman.
4: Okay, and thank you for that, uh, Jeanette. Those are the perpetrators of justice. And I'll tell you right now, AJC Radio is not going to get tired. We're not tired yet. We don't intend on getting tired. The fight for justice continues on AJC Radio. Make no mistake about it. Feel free to go to AJCRadio.com to hear this show. Tell your friends, your neighbors, remember to sign the petition for Renee Lima Marin, who is fighting for justice as well. Go to Change.org. A man, again, put in prison after 10 years, got out. They said, we're bringing you right back. We think you need some further accommodations. Injustice is running rampant everywhere. The RP6, we, we fight for them. We fight for everybody that's in the position
7: of dealing with injustice. Cliff. Just want to say thank you to our production team, Captain Kyle and Dustin Jacks, helping out skills girl in the control room, making sure you hear what it is that we have to say. Also, we want to say thank you to everyone in the chat room for all your comments, Out there, we appreciate it. Also, to our production support team, you give us accurate and up-to-date information so we can pass that on to our listeners. And to the truth, we know you're out
4: there. We appreciate it.
7: And thanks, Cliff.
4: Ladies and gentlemen, a humdinger tonight, a special thanks to Senator Chuck Grassley, the legend on our nation's capital, making imprints and making a difference across this country. Join us every Thursday here on AJC Radio at 8 p.m. Eastern. And I'll tell you what, folks, they continue to get better. And I'll tell you what, hang in there, continue to fight for justice as we continue to march as well, bringing the message of justice all around the world. Good night. You solemnly swear
1: that you will support and defend the Constitution of the United States against all enemies, foreign and domestic, that you will bear true faith and allegiance to the same, that you would take this obligation freely, without any mental reservation or purpose of evasion. And that you will well and faithfully discharge the duties of the office on which you are about to enter. So help you, God. Congratulations! You're now members of the 114th Congress.
2: We preserve main mandatory minimum, but we lower some and expand some of the enhanced minimums to make sure that violent and repeat drug offenders stay in prison and out of our community. That will be a big help in cities across the country who face rising homicide rates from different offenders who have been released from prison. But for the first time, we're cutting back many of the most severe mandatory minimums so that they apply more fairly. We're also expanding the current safety valve and even creating a second safety valve so that offenders who have minor criminal histories and play minor roles in drug organizations are not swept up. And we're bringing real reform to our prisons that give low-risk inmates a chance to return to society earlier with better prospects. And most of all, this is a bill that we can be proud of. We believe that there are people who are incarcerated today for lengthy
8: sentences at great expense And frankly, should not be in those prisons. We think resources spent on those incarcerations are better spent in good law enforcement in our communities, in good work by prosecutors,
2: and good work in our criminal justice system to avoid the incidents of crime. That's what this is all about.
3: Nonviolent drug offenders aren't going to stay in jail forever. And everyone in prison is going to be given the kind of tools they need to come out and become productive citizens, so that we won't waste lives. Those are both so important, and if this legislation becomes law, which we hope it will, it will make a huge difference in the lives of those who are in prison, in the lives of those who are convicted, in the lives of those who might have been victims of crime, and in the lives of all Americans.